Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I am Eki Tepsapornchai. Well, brother, it's uh, always good to have you, uh, to see you uh, week to week. And um, especially, you know, what two pastors don't love to talk about theology on a regular basis, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you could, we, can, we could probably talk all day and all night about this. This is one of my favorite areas of theology, theology proper. So we've um it, you know, we've we've started sort of going through a systematic theology for folks at least an introductory right to these uh various topics and we went through we've covered pretty much all of your basic bibliology so if you're listening and you've uh missed all of that you can go back you'll you'll have to do a little bit of searching there've been uh other other topics in between but we've covered you know the doctrine of the word in terms of its inerrancy its sufficiency uh, we we even talked about what what do we mean by you know God's word. Um, I think that was last week's, and so and then and then we're moving on now to talk about um, theology proper. Actually, that's what we did last week. We started theology proper. So you know we're talking about God's character and nature, specifically his attributes. Um, and then we've covered a couple of these in the, in the past, so we won't reduplicate them. But today the topic is God's omnipotence. Um, kind of a fun word. If if people aren't familiar, there are three of those. Why don't you just give us short definitions for the three omnis real quick, and then we'll kind of jump into omnipotence and what that means and how it impacts our life or should by understanding. Yeah, there's um, yeah, the omni means all, and there are three of them: omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence. And the omnipotent is a combination of omni and potent. So it's basically talking about how God is all powerful. Um, there's no limit to His power. Yeah, and and this is interesting because if you were to just put that on social media, God yeah, is right. all powerful, or there is nothing outside of God's power, um, yeah. you would get all sorts of pushback. It kind of blows my mind. Because if you would, God you is, would get a lot of idiotic statements too uh, from unbelievers yeah. as well. Yep. Yeah, because if God is not all powerful, then by definition, He's not God. Um, right. And so, just at at the very basic level, um, if God is God, He has to be all powerful. And then we just ask questions like what we'll ask and answer today. Well, what does it mean that He's all powerful? Does it mean that He's uh, controlling everything that I say or you say right now. Is he yeah. controlling, you know, everything that we do? Um, obviously, that's not true because people do sinful things, right? And God doesn't make anyone sin, um, nor does he tempt anyone to sin. And right. so let's just kind of dive in um, and talk about God's omnipotence. And uh, again, it, it's basically his ability to do anything that he desires to do and anything yeah. God desires to do, he can do. Um, and so it's really kind of that simple. And we see that all throughout scripture, right? Uh, I think of uh, you can go back, you know, from, I mean, just go to Genesis, right? Exactly. It would take an all powerful right. God to create from nothing, right? I mean, he created yeah. everything that is created by a word from absolutely nothing. 
And and so when you think about that, there really should never be any question in our mind of God's ability to do something. Right. Yeah, and I think it even I, I think of the um the pushback that we get from unbelievers. So one of the common questions that I almost always see come up whenever we're talking about God's power is okay, well, can God create a rock that he cannot lift? And it's a stupid question because it's an illogical question, right? And and yeah. it's it's meant to be a trap because if he can create a rock that he cannot lift, well, then he's not all powerful because he can't lift it. If he can't create a rock that he cannot lift, then he's not all powerful because it's unable to create that kind of rock. Well, God is also logical, right? I mean, this we're we're not trying to put logical contradictions um, before him, and we also know that while God can do everything, anything, God will not violate His own attributes. He's not yeah. going to violate his own righteousness. He's not going to violate his own immutability, his own justice, you know, those kinds of things. So he's not, as you said, he's not going to cause someone to sin. Um, he's not going to break a promise that he has made. Um, so that does not mean he is not all-powerful. When we talk about all-powerful, we're talking about his ability, as you mentioned, to do what his will and purpose um, are, are going to be, has has been revealed in the scriptures. So he is he's going to accomplish everything that he has purposed to accomplish. And and we see that, I think the book of Isaiah does a great job in several places talking about the omnipotence of God. But also, I would also, it's hard to talk about omnipotence without talking also about sovereignty. And I know we're not focusing yeah. on sovereignty, but to me, omnipotence is the proof of God's sovereignty. Um, he is in total control. Well, he can't be in total yeah. control without being all-powerful as well. And as you mentioned, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So he created everything. Uh, so he there is there's nothing that exists that was not created by him. And evolutionists also will get this tripped up because they'll talk about science and how science is unable to prove that God exists. They'll say, well, give me the proof, and they want a scientific uh, proof. Or people that don't believe in miracles, they'll say, well, there's no scientific evidence of miracles or, or this and that and the other. But the problem is that they're thinking with a very limited viewpoint. They're thinking in terms of natural law being the final word on everything, when it's God who actually created natural law. And the whole idea of miracles is that he can operate outside of natural law. In fact, that's often how he reveals himself, that he can actually go against natural law in revealing himself. So to think that he can't do certain miracles, that, for instance, Jesus can't get up and completely rebuke a storm and turn it completely still, right? Uh, those kinds of things, when people kind of challenge those types of miracles or that Jesus could raise up Lazarus from the dead. And by the way, the, the works of Jesus Christ show him to be omnipotent as well. And he even says, whatever I see the Father doing, I do as well. And he can't even make a statement like that unless he has the same ability. Um, so when people deny, for instance, the miracles of God, that they don't make any scientific sense or there's no um, historical evidence or whatnot, they overlook the fact that God is all-powerful and he can do all things. And even the idea that the heavens and the earth were created in six literal days, which both you and I believe, uh, people come up with all kinds of counter-arguments for why that can't be true. And uh, again, having an understanding that God can do all things really makes a lot of those counter-arguments moot. Uh, they're, yeah. they're 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 worthless in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you you made several good points there, and it, you know, one before I forget it that I'd like to just touch on is there actually is scientific proof. I mean, yeah. it's sort of, it, you know, Psalm nineteen, the heavens declare the glory of God. Right. Romans one, 
right? Uh, everything is made evident. Man suppress the, 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 the truth that they know about God. Uh, so just look around at creation. Creation is yeah. scientific evidence of, of God's existence. Um, and, and so it's just that they're ignoring it, right? Um, and right. then I think, you know, sometimes like the whole question of, you know, could God create a rock that's too big for him to pick up kind of thing. If those kind of questions stump you, you're probably not meant, meant to be a theologian. Um, yeah. You know, God just, God can't do anything contrary to his nature. God right. cannot sin. God cannot lie, right? Lying is sin. God cannot lie. Well, why can't he do that? Well, because God can't do anything contrary to his nature. Um yeah. But that right. doesn't mean that he, it, but he has the power to do everything that he wants to do. Um, right. He's not limited in any way, shape, or form. So you're, these are very basic, simple questions. But, you know, it is good to think about because oftentimes, especially new believers, right, you just come to faith in Christ, or maybe you've been stuck in a very shallow church for years that just doesn't teach good doctrine, you know. Yeah. Um, you, you come into a healthy church and you're just starting to learn and think about these things. I think there's you know, a point in, in your life where maybe these things could stump you, right? Just because you've, you've, you're new and, and either you're new in the faith or you're coming into a deeper understanding of the faith and really starting to think about these things. Um, but, uh, again, you know, if you just go back to simple things like creation, um, and then go through scripture and just see all the places where scripture attests to God's absolute power, um, I've got Jeremiah 32, 17 to pull up here. He says, ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Um, and, and so when you just think about that fact, every molecule that exists, exists because God created it. Uh, we've talked about the book of Job a lot. Go to the book of Job. And again, I mean, it's just one of the reasons I love that book. Um, yep. He gives very specific details of how active he is in creation, right? Yeah. Um, the, the ocean only comes so far by God's decree. The the you know the mountain goat uh, gives birth when God ordains it. The birds eat by the hand of God. You know all of these various things. You read through the Book of Job, um, and you just get this sense of what a what a big God. Like this is. This is, if you want a bigger view of God, read through the book of Job. Um, and not just the creation parts, but how he responds to Job. Yeah. Right. Because, right. right. You know, he lets Job know how big he is, too. Yeah. In fact, I've, I've got Job right in front of me. Let me, let me just read through just the first 11 verses of chapter 38. So we know the book of Job. Job is afflicted by Satan. God is the one that actually suggests Job to Satan and gives him permission to afflict him. And throughout the book, you've got Job and his friends, and his friends are absolutely convinced that Job must have done something wrong to deserve what he got. And Job is vehement that while he is not a perfect man, he understands that he didn't do anything to deserve anything that he got. And so his main gripe is what he wants is his day in court to be able to stand before God and find out what it was that he did to deserve what God did to him. Now, we've got the benefit of knowing all of the book of Job, including those first two chapters, which obviously Job didn't know what that was happening. And that's the dialogue between God and Satan. And we learn in those first two chapters that the reason why Job was targeted was not because of something he did wrong, thing he did right. And so Job is wanting his day in court. He wants to know from God why he received everything that he received. 
And when God finally answers Job, he actually never answers the question. In fact, what God does is he goes to his work as the almighty creator, starting in verse one, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you and you instruct me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements since you know, or who stretched the line on it, or what were its bases um, sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? And when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who enclosed the sea with doors when bursting forth and it went out from the womb? When I made a cloud its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, and I placed boundaries on it and set a bolt and doors, and I said, Thus far you shall come, but no further, and here shall your proud wave stop? So he and he just goes on and on. Just just start reciting the things that he has done in creation, and what we see here. And and again, I, I tied this to his sovereignty. It's the proof of his sovereignty. Basically, God reveals himself once again and reminds Job that he is the Almighty Creator. And guess what? By the simple fact that he is the Almighty Creator, that he created all things, he is also the one who is in charge. He is the one in control of all things, and he is and he is righteous to do as he pleases. And, and you know, as, as we talk about this, there are so many attributes of God that get tied in together. And we've mentioned yeah. before on a prior podcast when we've talked about the attributes, that there's a simplicity of God that we, we need to be mindful of, that we can't just separate one aspect of God and say, well, this is separated from this. No, they all harmonize together. And First and foremost, as you read through this, primarily what God starts off with is his role as the creator. But from that, you get his omniscience, you get his um his, his sovereignty, you know, you you get all kinds of attributes of God that are just tied into uh, his work as the almighty creator. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and he really does just keep going with Job. Two chapters later, yep. in verse 40. Um, he he starts off again. It says, then Yahweh answered Job and said, will the fault finder contend with the almighty? Let him who reproves God answer it. Right. And Job's response is that he places his hand over his mouth and right. basically says, I'm not going to say anything else. Right. I mean, it, it, he in, in verse four, he says, behold, I am insignificant. Right. This yeah. is Job. What can yeah. I respond to you? I place my hand over my mouth. And but God's not done. I mean, he 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 goes after it again in in verse six of the same chapter. God says the same thing to Job again. He says, "Then Yahweh answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Now gird up your loins like a man. I will ask you, and you make me know.'" Yeah. And he just goes on and on, chapter after chapter, um, and and just continually. It, it's such a great. Job, such a great study to to get a view of God. Like I don't think any other book in the Bible gives us quite this same kind of view and perspective. Um, and, and so it's a good study. And, and you're right. You talk it. You make yeah. it. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I just adding and and it's it's so I think poetic that Job was probably the first book written. Right. I mean, Moses likely wrote Job even before he was called to write Genesis, Exodus, um, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, so Job is the very first book written, and and what does it do? It establishes God's almighty power as creator, um, his sovereignty, and and his righteousness to do as he pleases. Now, when I say that, people will say, okay, so you're saying he's righteous to even do evil. No, that's not what I'm saying. Um, God, by his character, is good. He does what is right. 
Um, but he also has a will in all this, and he will accomplish what he wants, when he wants, how he wants it. Yeah, and I think to that point, um, when people talk about evil and things like that, we have to understand that God is the definition of what is righteous. Yep. Right. Oftentimes, we look at things that happen that we see uh, God doing in Scripture, and we judge based on our faulty fallen nature and understanding, our limited capacity. We judge God as doing what's right and evil. But whatever it is that God does, regardless yeah. of what it is, right. it is righteous. And so the question for us is always, if this doesn't seem righteous to me, then I'm misunderstanding something because God cannot do evil. Right. Yeah. And that's that's a great um, point to start off with. You know, we have presuppositions that we bring to the text, things that we know are undeniably true. And that's one of those truths that we have to bring to the text that God is righteous. Um, he always does what is right. And so when we come to the text and we see things that seem to contradict what we think is right, um, you know, we have to stop and think, okay, well, God is the one who's right. So how do I view this in a way that helps to explain his righteousness yeah. through that? And I've been teaching through the Old Testament in Sunday evenings um, in the book of Joshua. And obviously, when you study the book of Joshua, a lot of people will bring up the topic of genocide, you know, that God is using Israel to wipe out all these nations. And I, I brought that up. I addressed it this past Sunday. And I said, look, if you hear people ask that, here's the answer. God would have been just to wipe everyone out absolutely wipe everyone out. Now, the only reason why he shouldn't is because he has made promises going back to Noah and then Abraham um, about preserving a, a remnant and, and blessing people through through uh, the seed of Abraham. So we, we know that those promises are in place, but we know from a moral standpoint, he would have been righteous to wipe out everyone, and that would have been the most massive genocide ever known, right? I mean, if we're defining genocide as wiping out a certain group of people— Guess what? The one who is righteous to make that kind of decision is God. And when we look at the Canaanites there and the Israelites being brought in there, the Bible actually reveals, if you read through the Mosaic books, the Bible reveals that God tells the Israelites, look, it's not because of your righteousness that you're inheriting this land, but it's actually because of the unrighteousness of this people that you're going to take it from them. So we we see those um, those statements from God, and he is righteous to do as he pleases. But going back to omnipotence, um, in his righteousness, he will use his power to accomplish it any way he he likes he sees fit. And we see that throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And for us as believers, you know, and this comes down in one way, the one application of this is going to be, for instance, miracles. So you and I we're we're both um at least practical non we're practical cessationists, right? I mean, we don't believe that the um the, the gifts are for for today. I don't believe there's any evidence of that. And at the very least, it doesn't match the pattern that we see in scripture. Well, some people will say, well, that's because you just don't believe in the power of God. Well, no, that's nonsense. I do believe in the power of God. God can perform any miracles he likes whenever he likes, however he likes, even today. Um, that's different than uh, than believing that someone actually has the gifts. God is all powerful, so he can do as he pleases. And he is specifically his power. When we look at our hearts, right, he can take the most hardened of sinners and, and make him into one who follows God. And the Apostle Paul is a great example of that. One who persecuted the church, um, breathed threats of, of murder and uh, wanting to bring people back bound to Jerusalem and all that. And God turned him into a follower of Christ, being willing to die for 
for the uh, for the gospel uh, and for the gospel to the Gentiles of all things. So yeah, God's power. Uh, we we see this throughout Scripture, um, established by Him as being the Creator. And for us as believers, we we need to trust in that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so we we see God's power in His ability to create. Right? We talk about God's omnipotence. The fact that He created everything demonstrates that He's all powerful. There's a, a, another area too. I think we see His omnipotence in the fact that He pres- preserves all things. Yeah. I think in Hebrews uh, chapter one, go to verse three. It says, "And He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature, and upholds all things by the power of His word." When He had made purification of sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high, and, yeah. and so it, everything that's that, that we see is actively being upheld by 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 god's power um yeah and that that hebrews verse um specifically about jesus christ um and and so this is one of the benefits of understanding the attributes of god we see that only god can do the things that he does and then when you learn about jesus christ in the new testament you find out that oh jesus has these abilities that are only that that only belong to god john chapter 1 verse 3 says all things came to being through him and apart from him nothing came to being that has come into being and likewise in colossians chapter 1 starting in verse 15 he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn of all creation and by the way firstborn doesn't mean he was created but it means that he has the preeminence he's the one that inherits all things and verse 16 i think really nails that down for by him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things have been created through him and for him he is before all things and in him all things hold together and what i love about those verses uh, they're absolute but also just pay attention to those prepositional ver- phrases by him through him for him and in him and to him referring very clearly to the lord jesus christ yeah yeah, these are also great passages for anyone who says the Bible never makes the claim that Jesus is God. Absolutely, it does. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but, but absolutely, because yeah. God can only do these things, right? Um, yeah. So you know, so we see God's power in, and it, you know, it's true. When, when sometimes when we, when we speak of God, um, we would include the the other persons of the Trinity, right? It's God the Father, yeah. God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Um, but but we see that it's through His power that everything is upholded but that's not so that's not the only places so we see his god's omnipotence his power in the fact that he created everything in the fact that he upholds everything we also see it in his providential care for us i mean this would be a good one to talk about right Mm -hmm. i mean we we all have situations where we just have to trust god's providence it's a popular term used i think at least in our circles um maybe talk to us a little bit about what do we mean by providence kind of how does that fit into or demonstrate god's god's power in in our life well yeah uh, providence um i think of the word provide god provides god provides everything that we need um and uh, he, he will always protect his own in fact jesus in his high priestly prayer to god the father said i guarded them and not one of them perished except for the son of 
perdition. And so he was calling God the Father to also guard them. Uh, I think of an example out of uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. This is after Elijah had the confrontations with the prophets of Baal, the next chapter, he's run away from Jezebel. He goes to Mount Horeb and he's worried. He tells, he stands for God and says, look, I'm the only one who's zealous for you. I'm the only one who continues to uh, faithfully serve you. And one of the things that God tells them is that I have left 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. Um, so that's the preservation of those who actually still yeah. are faithful believers in God. And God's the one that preserves. Uh, John chapter 10, that's when Jesus reveals that he is the good shepherd, right? And later on in John chapter 10, and I think it's, uh, let me see, I think it's John 10 verse 28, is it? Yeah. So John chapter 10, starting in uh, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. So the power of your salvation is being preserved by God um, in heaven, yeah. from heaven to you. And, and this is one of those proofs that our salvation is absolutely eternal. And when you look at those passages, you can't be any more definitive and absolute about that power that God has to preserve those who are in him. And this is one of those places where it becomes very practical. You know, we were asked the question, you know, why do I need to study theology? Why, why does theology proper matter? Well, it matters because when you experience those times, and some believers have more of these than others, where you're doubting your salvation or you're afraid you might yeah. lose your salvation, you know, having an understanding of God's omnipotence, God's God being all powerful, God's sovereignty leads yeah. us to trust in these passages um, in, in which he's demonstrated that, right? Because God yep. is all powerful, we cannot lose our salvation. No one can steal that from us, take that from us. Um, and, and so, you know, these doctrines really do become very practical in our day-to-day -day life. Uh, and, and I think that's something that, you know, oftentimes, and we've mentioned this before, studying theology for many can become kind of an academic head knowledge pursuit, but it, it's meant to be very practical and help us in our in yes. our day-to-day -day walk. And that's one really good place. You, you know, you brought up that passage, and I'm glad you did. I'm reminded of the passage in Psalm Psalm 37, yep. 23, the steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Um, I, I mean, again, it's just it, it's it's the recognition that God is in total and utter control in terms of his power and ability uh, and his providential care for us. And so we can trust that, um, it, you know, in difficult times. And, uh, it, you know, it's just interesting. We were kind of talking about some of these things beforehand. Um, I, all of us have difficult times, right? And, um, you know, us, for when we first moved to Alaska, it's a different life. You're adjusting to different things. Um, and passages like these, when you have situations come up in your life, maybe you've lost your job, right? You have to buy a new vehicle that you can't afford. Um, you're during COVID, for instance, right? Um, it, I, I, I would wager, um, I don't think there's any studies done on this, but if you were to look at the, uh, the, the level of depression and anxiety 
And certainly we know suicide, uh, the suicide rate increased during the COVID period. If you were yeah. to look at those things from uh, the, the, world's pers- the, the worldly or the godless or the very uh, immature Christian versus those believers who had some understanding of God's sovereignty and omnipotence, the, the, the statistics between the two would be night and day. Right. Because though we still struggle and have difficulties, knowing that God is omnipotent, knowing that God establishes our steps, that, um, you know, we go through troubles. And I'm I'm thinking of the passage that uh, tells us that God uh, works all things together for the good of those who believe in him. Right. Right. So if you're a believer, yeah, if you're a believer, it's God's power that ensures that whatever's happening in your life is ultimately being worked out for your good, whether or not someone meant it for evil or in Job's case, it was actually Satan. Um, you know, God in the end still worked that out for the ultimate good of Job. And this is all theology. I mean, I mean right? This is very practical stuff. Yeah, it is. And that passage you mentioned, God causes all things to come together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's Romans eight twenty eight, And then Verses 29 to 30, he talks about those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of God's Son. Those whom he predestined, he called. Those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he glorified. So God is completely sovereign over our salvation process from the even before the foundation of the world all the way to the time of our glorification. And it's it's helpful just to reread the rest of Romans 8 after that. I mean, verse 30, 31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he also not with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised up, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of God? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is the omnipotence Mm. of God intended to give us hope in any circumstance that we follow through, that that we're given by God. And I think of Philippians 4.13 when Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That is often a verse that is taken way out of context to support this idea that God's going to strengthen you to do whatever you want to do. No, God's not going to strengthen you to do whatever you want to do. God's going to strengthen you to do whatever he calls you to do. And that comes from his omnipotence. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, beyond that, we see God's omnipotence displayed in just some of the names of God. I mean, Elohim, El Shaddai, God Almighty, Yahweh, Lord, right? I mean, these names are embodiments of his power, right? right? I mean, you don't call someone Lord who doesn't have power, right? Humanly speaking, the Lord of the land was the person who had the power in the land. Yep. He can make decisions. He could con- he could command people, right? And so when you just look at, if you were just to do a brief study of the names of God, 
right? It, it, you find embedded in those names these attributes of God. Um, in Isaiah, right, he's called the mighty one of Israel. Uh, in first, we have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus. Yep. In Revelation, the Lord Almighty. I mean, you you put these. I mean, you just have these terms repetitively over and over that demonstrate His power. First uh, Timothy, the blessed and only Sovereign, Paul refers to Him as. Um, and and we have these all throughout Scripture. Like you, if you just were to pull out the times where God or Jesus is referenced. Right, either the names of God or how the apostles or the writers of the books reference them, you won't find a single name that isn't demonstrative of God's power, His omniscience, um, or His sovereignty. You, you, not a single one. Yeah, that that's absolutely right. And I also think about, and I don't know if you have this on your list or not, but um, the, the the power that should motivate us to evangelize to to share the gospel yeah um because you know when we think about romans chapter three paul paints a pretty grim picture about mankind he says none are righteous none seek after god um all have turned aside together they become useless and so it's a picture of depravity along with ephesians chapter two verses one to three that says we were we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we followed after the world and the prince of the power of the air just following after whatever the lust of the mind and the lust of the flesh desired and and it's it's a grim picture of mankind who never seeks after god who never seeks his righteousness but rather creates gods of their own how do you get through that well paul paul not paul jesus gave the promise to the disciples that he is going to send a helper a helper who amongst other things is going to convict the world of sin righteousness and judgment so as we deal with the world around us who are hardened against god who are growing in in their their demonstrated hatred of god we have to remember that the gospel is of supernatural power and the gospel can save anyone you know i have good friends who are rocket scientists and were hardcore atheists at one point um, but they came to an understanding of the gospel and they became not only great evangelists but great apologists uh, for for the faith and, and so there's great power also not only in preserving us um, but also great power in 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 motivating us to share the gospel knowing that what has happened in our heart can happen in other people's hearts because just as jesus said what is impossible with man is possible with god yeah you referred to that passage in ephesians chapter 2 let me just read a part of that i, I mean we're talking about god's power if we're really considering the truth of what paul's saying here so he's writing to a the, the the church in ephesus he's speaking to believers and he's pointing out what they were before christ right and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And he goes on to talk about how you lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh. And then in verse four, right, we see the intervention of God in yep. in, in 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 the problem that man has says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together yep. with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I mean, if we just think about the reality of being totally and utterly dead in our sins and trespasses such that there is no escape, no rescue. And a dead man can't revive himself, right? Um, 
and That's God right. intervenes while we're still enemies of God and brings us to life, but then not only brings us to life, but causes us to be seated with Christ in Christ, right? Yeah. In the heavenly places. I mean, that's true, genuine power. Um, sometimes I think we read these statements and we kind of, you know, put them up in sort of the metaphysical, spiritual, and we don't really consider what what it requires to take someone from who, who's utterly and totally dead, entrapped, right, made a captive in their sins, you know, their father at that moment being Satan. And in a moment, God bringing that person to life. I, I mean, this is why I think we talk about miracles. Yeah. Um, the, the greatest miracle and truest miracle of all is the miracle of regeneration, right? Something to know Christ, being made alive in Christ. I mean, if if you if that is not a, a miracle to you, you don't understand miracles, right? Because outside of That's God, right. it's truly impossible. Yeah, and that passage is such a powerful passage. In fact, even our our church office manager, I'm going to give a shout out to her, Penny Small. She she loves that those verses. Um, she even had uh, shirts printed that say "But God," uh, because once uh, the first book I covered was Ephesians. I went through that passage, and I believe the power of that passage really gripped them and to help them to understand when we say "But God" in verse four. Um, it's not just it is the power of God to to raise us up and to seat us in the heavenly places along with Christ Jesus. But we also see in that passage the 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 love, the mercy, the grace, just his yeah. kindness towards us to do that. So this is the beauty that a God who is all powerful is also merciful, gracious, loving, kind. And, and wanting to provide for us, wanting to adopt us into his family. And that's Ephesians 1 goes into every spiritual blessing in, in the heavenly places. And, and from verse 3 all the way to verse 14, it's like a bullet point list, boom, 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 one after another, all these blessings that have been given to us. So the the almighty power of God, praise God that we, we worship a good God. Praise God that we worship a, a holy God, one who seeks to save us, even though we didn't deserve it, who seeks to demonstrate his love, grace, and mercy upon us. Yeah, amen. I, I, you know, you read these passages, and if it, it's just God's power is on display all throughout Scripture. And it, you don't have to look hard for it. You just have to be a believer and and have open eyes, you know? Um and then, you know, I've got a few verses here. I just kind of want to go through them and you can stop me if there are any, any of them, you know, you want to comment on. But, you know, we see God's power in his creation. We see God's power in the fact that he holds everything together. We see God's power in, you know, um, his providential care of us. Um, and and then you've got, here's just a few verses that just speak to the the, the fact that nothing is impossible for God. Right. I mean, you go back to Genesis, Genesis 18. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I'll return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. So we know that's God intervening. And that's a yeah. powerful thing. I mean, he's too old, humanly speaking, to have children. And you see all kinds of um, the intervention of God's power in in his dealings with Sarah and Abraham. In Job, we, we already, you know, read Job, Job 42, he says, I know that you can do all things and that yep. no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Right? These are the conclusions Job comes to. Jeremiah 32, 
27, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? And, and of course, the answer is no. Uh, Zechariah 8, 6, thus says the Lord of hosts, if it is too difficult in the sight of the remnant of this people in those days, will, will it also be too difficult in my sight? And again, right, the, the point is nothing is too difficult um, for the Lord. And by the way, at the end of that one, it, the ending is declares the Lord of hosts, right? The, the Lord of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, we see God's omnipotence and his ability to do whatever he pleases, Psalm 115. But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. You can't get any clearer than that, right? That's right. Um, Isaiah 14, 24, the Lord, the Lord of hosts has sworn saying, surely just as I have intended, so it has happened. And just as I have planned, so it will stand. And all these verses obviously have a context, but just to bring them out, uh, to demonstrate God speaks to his own omnipotence in multiple places throughout uh, yeah. the scriptures. And they're not ambiguous, right? I mean, these are clear, clear passages. Yeah, and, and I would say rather than trying to go to these ridiculous extremes and asking questions like, can God create a rock that he cannot carry? Think in terms of this. He created everything. Okay, start there. He created everything, and he can accomplish anything that he desires in, in the realm of creation, right? Whatever his will is, wh whatever he wants to accomplish, there is no one and there is nothing that can keep him from accomplishing what he seeks to accomplish. That's what we mean by his omnipotence. He can accomplish anything. And so whatever it is we're going through, whatever doubts we may have, whether it's our salvation, whether it's our situation, um, that uh, difficult circumstances, health um, issues, r remember that God is all powerful. Now, that's not a promise that he's going to deliver us from those circumstances, but remember that he is also powerful to strengthen you to endure those circumstances if that's his will. Um, so practically speaking for us, we just have to remember that God can do all things. And possibly to me, one of the most amazing um, acts of God's omnipotence, um, aside from saving us, turning dead hearts into living hearts for God, is the fact that he has the power to make sure that evil results in good, right? No one mm. else has that power that no matter what evil yeah, man seeks to do, God has the power mm. to make sure that that evil is always for good. And then we see that in the story of Joseph, Genesis 50, 20, when God uh, works through Joseph, Joseph tells his brothers what you intended for evil, God intended for good. We talked about Romans 8, 28, God causes all things to come together for good. So possibly one of the most powerful demonstrations of God's power is exactly that, that evil can never accomplish anything other than the good that God intends it to. Yeah, I mean that that's a that's a powerful counseling point too by the way. Yeah, it is. You know, uh when 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 pe when people's when when your life is falling apart, uh, you know, when you're genuinely experiencing spiritual attack, I mean those things are 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 real uh or even just, you know, suffering the consequences of other people's sins or uh, even perhaps your own and you've repented. Like God yeah. works all of that for our good. And I think you know, it, when you just, well, we're kind of talking about God's omnipotence, just the fact that we can go to scripture and find comfort and the answers to these questions, it also demonstrates God's power. And not only just his power, but his incredible ability to make sure that his people were not left without the solutions to life's issues. 
right? Yes. Um, I, I mean, he 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 planned and put together all of this for us. I mean, the Bible in itself is, I think, demonstrative of God's power. I mean, you 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 look over, you know, what uh, I don't know, twelve to fifteen hundred years, the Old Testament being put together. Um, you know, by the time Christ uh, died, uh, a majority of you know the the New Testament text, and certainly soon after that. Um, I mean, it's inerrant, it's infallible. I mean, how yeah. could you not just look at the Bible and the fact right. that it survived and that yeah, it's the consistent? Way he preserved it. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, the preservation of the Scripture alone is just demonstrative yeah, of true. true power. What other human work could could do that? Well, there isn't any, right? I mean, there's not a right. single other human work that exists. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, the Bible is not a human work, and that's the point, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and, and the verse, um, the last verse I'll share, 2 Peter 1, verses 2 and 3, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Yeah, amen. You know, it was Charles Spurgeon who said that the sovereignty of God was the pillow in which he rests his head at night. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we could really, uh, you know, his, his power and his sovereignty, you can't separate. But when yeah. we think of God's power, that ought to let us rest well at night, regardless of what the, our circumstances are. And I think this Amen. is really poignant for, um, you know, our culture now. And, you know, people are seeing things shifting and we're coming up on the season that just about everybody hates <laughs> in our country, right? Uh, the, right. Uh, the election season's coming up and things like that. And I think for me, um, I would just, I would just encourage people as our society looks like it's declining and it is, uh, things appear to be getting darker, and I think they are. Um, th these are the times where understanding Scripture, understanding the doctrines of God, understanding God's um, His attributes and His character, these are the things that not only help us get through uh, tough times, dark times, but they're the things, the very things that the apostles were writing to right to to us to the church saying look yeah. look at these things they're the very things christ himself pointed us to in the beatitudes right when when, when people persecute you um you, remember you have a hope for the future right yes um look to the promises to come so these things aren't just um you know studying the doctrines and the attributes of god they're they're not just academic exercises these are things that sustain us in this life as things get hard in fact, I would argue that they're the things that should be um, the reason why, as the world gets darker and sin runs rampant and uh, becomes, you know, more open, it should be some of the reasons that the world starts to look at Christians and maybe they hate us, they don't like us, but they're so confused as yeah. how we can have joy and how we can be exactly. content, right? When for them, the the whole world's falling apart. Right. Understanding who God is are these doctrines that, you know, we can say, you know what, whatever comes, uh, God's got this. Amen. Well, 
if you don't have any last words for us, we're going to wrap this episode up for today. No, I think um, we we covered it covered it well. Just trust in God in all things, and God gives us hope because He is all powerful to fulfill His promises. Well, guys, I hope that this episode has been helpful to you. Uh, again, we do have a YouTube channel, so if you haven't subscribed to that, we'd encourage you to do that. It's Truth Be Known podcast. The link is in uh, on the show notes, and also, you know, especially uh, send us an email if you have had episodes that have benefited yeah. you. Um, we it is it truly you know i know ministries say that um but we do read those things and they are oftentimes encouraging to us uh and in fact there's been several times where we've shared stories of comments and you know they help uplift our spirits you know and it's just another um demonstration of how god uses whatever he wants to use in the lives of people and ultimately it brings glory to him so we'd love to hear your story uh send us an email so with that, and until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.